Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It was, it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys. And, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year. And, and you know, I said what I said. And, and obviously, I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint. And uh, I regret that. A little bit more filter, a little bit more restraint, John. I mean, oh, gosh. Oh, this Sean Payton. Isn't he the gift that keeps on giving for us? This is great. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to uh, Broncos training camp before training camp even starts. Uh, Peyton there was, you know, saying he regretted. He did an exclusive interview with with USA Today before training camp even started and just kind of defending Russell Wilson and what went wrong last year. He absolutely blasted Nathaniel Hackett. He said it might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. And like Hackett... He's still in the NFL. Not only is he in the NFL, he's with the Jets, who the Broncos are going to play this season in week <laughs> five. So that story went out with those quotes from Peyton and USA Today, and it just started like a firestorm of drama. And then you know, I think Peyton probably realized what he had done, and I wouldn't be surprised if he had a talking to from upper management at Broncos headquarters, and then that clip you just played was him the next day uh, the first day of training camp in his press conference saying, yeah, maybe I went a little bit overboard with those comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have the audio of his original comments. That belongs to Jarrett Bell of USA Today. But good job, Jarrett. This was a very um, it was an awesome article. And maybe we'll even talk about some excerpts from the article. Uh, John, you just kind of paraphrased a few of them. But of course, we just heard from John Heath. That's the managing editor of the Broncos Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining the show. Um, the Broncos Wire podcast, of course, is powered by the USA Today Network. And John, for early August, we have so much to talk about. We have, on the football side of things, major injuries to the wide receiver core. Tim Patrick, oh, God. When, when news broke of his Achilles injury, that was just like, what a gut punch for that guy. Uh, second year in a row, he's going to miss the entire season. We'll talk about that. The injuries to Patrick, KJ Hamler, and more. We have an update on our stuff from last week on the gambling, our, our second year player who was busted for gambling. That doesn't look good. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. And also some more, you know, some fun stuff later in the show, like Hall of Fame stuff, alternate helmet, stuff like that. Rules changes. Hopefully we can get to all that. But John, I, if it's okay with you, the grown men bickering at each other, I just find that to be the, the most fun uh, storyline, the best topic and the thing that's most fun to talk about. So I'd love to start there if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah, let's. All right, so give me your your take one more time on Sean Payton. Do you think do you think people should be outraged over what Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett? And and you mentioned some of it, uh, you know, some of the quotes from Jarrett Bell's article. You know, it doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed. That happened here, uh, Payton said. 
Uh, later on, when he was asked about Russell Wilson, he said, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms. And just to stop, he's probably talking about the entourage Russell Wilson was allowed to take with him into the team facilities, John, right? The quarterback coach, and the trainer, and the massage therapist and all that. Um, yep. yep. So the offense, I don't know, Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. The BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't even get a play in. So that's some of the stuff that Sean Payton said. I mean, a lot of it's pointed directly at Hackett. People are outraged, especially people associated with the New York Jets, as you mentioned, John. So what do you think? Um, are people right to be this pissed at Sean Payton? Yeah, I, I don't know if they have a right to be outraged, but certainly surprised. Like, I was shocked. I was super surprised. I was like, what in the world? Because Peyton, so much this offseason, like from day one, his introduced introductory press conference, he was like, you know, last year, you know, there was too much hype, too much like in-house talking, hyping our stuff up. Like, he was like, this year we're going to keep a more low profile. And then he goes out, and creates all that drama. And it's like, that's the opposite of keeping a low profile. Right? And, and the next day, like you played like his apology clip, he didn't actually apologize, but you played the clip where he said he regretted it and it was a mistake. And I like now in hindsight, hearing those comments from him, I really think that he was just sitting down in an interview and just, once it really realized, like he wasn't thinking through what he was saying. I don't think like he wanted to like, you know, motivate his team and be like, Hey, we hate the jets. We're playing them in week five. So remember how terrible, like that's like two months away. I don't think there was like any like extra special motivation for him to do that. I think he just got carried away. I think he's just talking with a reporter who's his buddy just, you know, explaining what he thinks happened last year with Wilson and, you know, defending his quarterback. And I think just like you said, he just got carried away. And once in thinking about it, once in thinking, thinking through like the extent of what he was saying <laughs> and that this is going to be published everywhere, everyone's going to see this. So I, I think, like he said, it was just a mistake. He wants to think and. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, like that doesn't typically you don't see a coach do that, but it's not the end of the world. And like, yeah, it's bulletin board material for the Jets, but the Jets want to beat the Broncos regardless. So I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world by any means. But it was certainly surprising. I did not see that coming. Same. I'm not like the whole the bro code thing that the Jets are throwing out there. He broke the code. He broke the code. It's like okay, and and we could talk about that here in a little bit. I, we could play what Aaron Rodgers said and react to that. John, if you want, I have that that sound ready to go. But yeah, like you said, what amaz what's amazing to me is is Sean. He he knew he was talking on the record. It's not like this is a hot mic situation. Somebody, you know, TMZ ran this audio of, of Sean Payton kicking it back with buddies and beers and just ripping Nathaniel Hackett, right? Like he he did this on the record. Like I picture leaning back in the office chair, hands behind the head, feet up on the desk. Hey, Jarrett, pull up a seat. Let's talk about, let's talk about how bad 2022 Broncos were, right? It's just like, wow, zero filter on Sean Payton. And again, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I hope he doesn't muzzle himself now or the Broncos don't muzzle him. Uh, but here's my big takeaway. It's, it's not that he broke the bro code. I don't care about the bro code. I think Nathaniel Hackett will be fine. I think the Jets, still, they're going to survive this, this trauma, this traumatic week they had, John. I think they're going to be okay. For me, it's like the, the reason I think Sean Payton has to be feeling a certain kind of way with himself that he let this happen and got this carried away, and you're, you're totally right. He thought he was in the booth again or something. He was just letting loose, man. But he's not only ripping Nathaniel Hackett in these comments. 
Because Hack is just one guy. He's ripping everyone, isn't he, John? He's ripping every coach on the sideline last year. He's ripping players. He went in on the offensive line. He talked about penalties. Nathaniel Hackett's not out there holding people. You know, I mean, the the players were the ones failing out there as well. He's ripping George Payton and the committee of quote-unquote morons who, he didn't say that, but he's ripping the morons that hired this guy in the first place. He's ripping the owner who just ponied up all this money to lure Sean Payton out of retirement who is... Still paying Nathaniel Hackett, by the way, because Hackett signed a four-year deal. Uh, so he's ripping everyone. He's taking a blowtorch to the organization that just hired him, which I found uh, that's what took me aback. I'm like, holy crap. So Nathaniel Hackett's name is on the headlines, John, but he's he's ripping everyone here, which is why I think it, he, it was imperative that he walked it back and went and said, guys, I got carried away. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's not like he came out and apologized. He didn't say he was going to reach out to Hackett. He didn't do any of that, but he did walk it back in a sense where he was like, whoa, whoa, I got to rein myself in. And and thank God, because he does. I mean, again, he's ripping everyone, not just Hackett. Yeah, he specifically said the general manager, the team president shouldn't have been letting that happen, talking about like the entourage, like you said, like his personal QB coach in the facility. And again, like. I think he may have just not been thinking through what he was saying. Like he may not even remember that George Payton was the GM and oh yeah, George Payton is still the GM and like Leach was the president and oh yeah, he's still the president. The ownership, they actually, the new owners came in last August. They did not hire Hackett, but they did end up firing Hackett and they, and they hired uh, Sean Payton this spring. But yeah, he, I think he just, he's getting carried away just talking about how awful it was not really think I assume not really thinking back like oh yeah a lot of these people are my co-workers and still here in the building but like to an extent a lot of what well I mean all I think all of what he said was true but it's just having a filter of does that need to be said does it need to be said publicly do you need to publicly call all these people out I think in hindsight that's what he regrets just like all this unfiltered venting that I did is now in the public spotlight. And yes, it's true. So I I think that's why he didn't specifically say, I apologize, like that I was wrong because he's like, this is true, but maybe I shouldn't have said it out loud. And that's totally fair because it is true because not one person, not Aaron Rodgers, not Nathaniel Hackett himself, John, not Robert Sala, not Ryan Clark and, uh, and all the people that are commenting on this. Not one person has said, you know what? You're wrong, Sean Payton. Nathaniel, Jack, yeah. Nathaniel Hackett did an excellent job in 2022. Nobody's saying that. So, yeah, that's a great point. The only the only thing I have a problem with is like, hey, Sean, we already know. We already know Hackett sucked last year. You don't have to tell us. Like, again, I appreciate you, dude, for giving us the sound, you know, the sound and the content and all that. But holy crap, man, we we don't we don't need you to tell us that Nathaniel Hackett was terrible last year and the Broncos were bad. We got it. Uh, but that brings us to uh, to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I do think that this got a little bit off the rails, um, especially with the Jets. And here's what Rodgers said, John. Love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field. Oh, just to clarify, he's not talking about Sean Payton there. He's talking about Nathaniel Hackett. Go ahead, Aaron. Love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun. Uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. 
thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. <laughs> okay, so um, I did enjoy those comments from Aaron Rodgers. But first of all, John, like, talk about the pot calling the kettle black here. Like, I know mm-hmm. Sean Payton clearly has a high opinion of himself. Sean Payton does the way he carries himself and has talked as the head coach of the Broncos. But no one, and I mean no one on this planet, has a higher opinion of Aaron Rodgers than Aaron Rodgers himself, right? So for Aaron Rodgers to be sitting there blasting Sean Payton's arrogance, I thought was pretty comical, and I got a nice chuckle out of that. I thought that was great. Uh, But again, it's like he talks about how much he loves Hackett as a person, as a family man. He makes it fun. Nowhere does he defend Hackett's ability to be the head coach of of any team in the league. Uh, So so that's that. And again, here's what I want to get off my chest about the Jets piece of it, John. It's like, all right. I just think it would be way more badass if Sala, Hackett, and Aaron Rodgers kind of towed the same line and said, yeah, you know, we heard what Sean Payton said. We, we got that. Um, but, you know, talk is cheap, and we'll see them this year, and we'll do our talking on the field. Good for him. People can say whatever they want. Something like that. You know what I mean, John? Instead of being like, he broke the code. Oh, or keep my coach's name out of your mouth. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, it would have been so more, you know, way more badass for them to just be like, yeah, let them do the talking. We do our talking on the field. We're pretty we're pretty comfortable with the players and coaches we have over here. And and you know what? Hey, we'll see in week five. We'll see who's talking then. That would have been way more badass. But of course, the Jets take it and do Jets things and take it way beyond. And yes, I'm you know, I'm a Patriots fan and I hate the Jets, so I'm probably going a little too hard on them, John. Uh, but yeah, the Jets just of course take it to that. Oh, oh, you broke the code. How dare you? Oh, keep again, Rogers, keep my coach's name out of your mouth like Aaron Rodgers I don't know if you know this John but he now owns the New York Jets as well so um yeah I thought the Aaron Rodgers comments and the Jets overall what they're saying about it was hilarious but what'd you think yeah I I think like you're saying it was way overblown I think they made it way too dramatic and Rodgers specifically I don't think his logic made any sense it was like (laughs) uh, he's trying to set himself up for a soft fall in case their team doesn't do well this year and it's like what what how is that like that's not at all what he's doing like if anything this gives the broncos higher expectations for this season because it's peyton saying last year was not on russell wilson it was on the coaching so now if they do bad this year then everybody says okay well if wilson's not the problem then you are the problem like hackett was last year so to say like rogers was like he's setting himself up for a soft landing if it doesn't go it's like (laughs) that doesn't make any sense at all like he just blasted Hackett because like you said, Hackett was a terrible head coach. And like, yeah, he's a nice family man. And yeah, he's nice to players. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers likes him and he's fun to be around and he's a good offensive coordinator. Okay. But like you said, that doesn't change the fact of the truth of Sean Payton's comments. So Rodgers particularly, I think like you said, there seemed to be kind of some irony in his comments, kind of calling the, the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. I think the closest one to what you want was Robert Sala. He did say a little bit like Sean Payton's, you know, an accomplished coach. He can say whatever he wants. And I'm just, and he was like, I'm just surprised that they're talking about us now when we don't play until week five. And I I feel like that was like the most, like he can say whatever we want. We'll see him on the field. But like you said, then Nathaniel Hackett came out talking about, you know, the coach's code and, and Billy Turner just went off on Instagram. He called Peyton a bum and childish. And then Aaron Rodgers with his remarks. So yeah, I, I think 
it was strange and unexpected that Peyton said that, but I think the Jets got carried away with their reaction. And in this game, I mean, it already we were already looking forward to it because it's them playing against Nathaniel Hackett. But now, like, just for a general NFL audience, like this game in week five is must-watch TV. Right now, it's an afternoon game on CBS, and in week five is when the NFL can start flexing games, the Sunday night football. It's good flex. So I think – there will be people that want it to be, but the game currently in week five is the Cowboys and 49ers. And I, wow. even with all this drama, I don't think the NFL will flex the Cowboys out of Sunday Night Football. But we'll see. As as the game gets closer, it will be one to monitor if it's going to get moved or not. Yeah, because I'm sure as we get closer to game time, more things will be said, um, especially from our guy Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's going <laughs> to he'll say something to Pat McAfee or, you know, who knows? He'll say something. Uh, but yeah, I, I love what Robert Sala said way more than the, you know, he broke the code um, and keep my coach's name out of your mouth. <laughs> and I just think you're being babies when you're saying stuff like that. Uh, but Hackett, it seems like he's a great guy, John. There's only two things that I think he can't pull off. Number one's being a head coach in the NFL. I don't think he can pull that off. And number two is uh, a goatee. And again, I knew if, that was coming. I if, thought you were going to have the goatee number one. <laughs> and if you saw him... Uh, at the podium for the Jets with the with the reporters. I mean, the midlife crisis continues for Hackett in that goatee. So, Nate, love you. Shave that thing off, and good luck with the Jets. Nah, I don't really mean that. Um, okay, so that was the grown men bickering at each other portion of the show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I, I really did enjoy that. But now let's get to the actual football, John. And this was actually a really, for real reasons, a rough week for the Broncos, not because of what Sean Payton's saying, but because of what is happening in practice. Uh, so Tim Patrick coming back from the ACL, a lot of people think, a lot of people think Tim Patrick might be the best receiver on the team. You know I mean? I know we talk about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton all the time, but there are Tim Patrick stands out there who think he, he is actually the glue. He is actually the guy. And, uh, we were all looking forward to him being back in the lineup this year. I think he makes the Broncos better, obviously veteran guy. I think he's a leader. Uh, and for him to, be coming back from the ACL, John, and then tear his Achilles in practice on Monday. Holy crap, is that brutal? And now he's going to miss his second straight season uh, without playing a football game. Your thoughts on Patrick being out? Yeah, it's devastating. It, it's so heartbreaking for him because, like you said, a- after last year tearing his ACL, he missed the whole season. And then he worked like it, nowadays we kind of take an ACL for granted because so many guys come back from them, but just because you know, we're better at like the medical side of it and we're better at being able to come back. Doesn't mean that it's not hard. Like it is hard. You have to do the work, put in the work to recover from it and get yourself up to speed. And he got himself up to speed. Like he was a hundred percent. Sean Payton said like he was full go a hundred percent cleared from the ACL. And then like last year it was August 2nd that he tore his ACL in camp. And, and this year it was just a couple days before that. I think it was like July 31 where he tore his Achilles in just a non-contact. He just like was about to run a route. His foot gave out and he tore his Achilles and now he's out for the whole 2023 season. So it's not just like that. He is missing the whole year. It's like he worked so hard to get back from last year and then it's happening again. And the point he's at in his career, it could be devastating because right now he's 29 He'll turn 30 year old, 30 years old during this season. And then so during next season, he would be turning 31. And the Broncos have an option to get out of his contract after this season. And like I hate to like even talk about that because like I said, I feel so bad for him. But like 
it's something that they're going to have to think about and consider money-wise when a guy is coming off injuries like this and he's getting older and he's going to have a $13 million cap pick next year. Like, I hope not, but it's possible that Patrick has played his last down for the Broncos. And what's crazy is he signed a three-year $34 million extension late in the 2021 season. And that extension was for 22, 23, and uh, 24. So he he played the rest of the games in 2021 after he signed that extension. But for he hasn't played a single down of the three-year extension, you know, $34 million contract that he got because that started – that would have started last year. And then this year would have been the second season. So if he ends up, you know, not even playing for the Broncos after – you know, really impressive. Like he deserved that contract. And I'm glad that at least he was paid last year and at least he'll get paid this year. Even if they cut him next spring and he doesn't get the third year, like I'm glad he's at least made some money because before that ex- extension, you know, he, w- he was a low paid receiver. He was low on the, on the depth chart relatively and certainly low paid. So, you know, I just feel bad for him. I, it's nice that at least he has gotten some money and you never know, like Sean Payton said, it was a clean tear. So like Achilles are very hard to come back from. And like I said, he's getting older, but it is possible with the nature of the tear that he would be able to potentially come back from it. And I don't know, maybe they would rework his contract or maybe they would even leave his contract, maybe 13 million. They could live with that next year. I don't know. But you you just hope that he's able to come back from this. And, you know, like I just hope he's able to play football again. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you just – you have to feel so bad for him. Like, And that's just the Patrick side of it. From the Broncos side of it, like they're going to miss him. Like you said, some people are like Tim Patrick stands, think he's the best receiver. Like talent-wise, like I don't think anybody's going to say like Tim Patrick is like more talented than Jerry Judy. But I totally get, you know, the people that argue that he could have been like the wide receiver one type of like position for the Broncos. Like not not saying he's like they're they're most talented or their best, but like that wide receiver guy that, you know, goes up, you know, does your fades, jumps up and and catch the contested passes. Like Russell Wilson loved having a guy like that in DK Metcalf in Seattle. And like last year, I was so excited about Tim Patrick teaming up with Wilson. I thought, you know, Wilson was going to have so much confidence in him and just love throwing the ball up for him and let Tim Patrick be a big physical guy and go get it. So I thought they would have a really good connection last year, and obviously we didn't see it. And again, you know, with him coming back, I thought, okay, now we're going to see it this year, and it just obviously that's not going to happen. So it's it's gutting for him, and it's just it's sad for the whole wide receiver room because – they have this core of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler of guys that they've been adding over the last few years. And those four guys, they've never played a full game together just because of various injuries. Yeah, you texted me that stat the other night, and I was like, are you kidding me, John? That Patrick, Hamler, Judy, and Sutton have not played a, f- a full game together. And that's amazing. That's been the core. And yeah, KJ Hamler's uh, another one. I think we mentioned it, right? But Broncos fans know he's been he's been waived with a non-football illness situation. They're hoping to bring him back if, if all goes well. So we'll see what happens with KJ Hamler. But he's another one who's been snake bitten by injuries. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say Judy and Sutton are like injury prone. They both had one season where they were basically missed a bunch of games. But other than that, they've been they've been on the field. Uh, but man, as a group, this this group, as you said, yeah, they've just been snake bitten by injuries, John. We can't can't catch a break there and George Payton and the Broncos they've had they could have shaken up this group 
right? They could have. They like every NFL trade deadline, every offseason, right before the draft, we hear about people calling about Jerry Judy, calling about Cortland Sutton. The Broncos never made those trades. And now you you can look back on it maybe as a fan and be like, should we have shaken this thing up? Because we keep we've been keeping this core together and we never see them out there on the field together. So uh that's just a long way of saying, John, thank God they drafted uh, Marvin Mims. <laughs> say, no, thank God we have Mims. He's going to be in a huge role this year now. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm actually also glad that they didn't shake up the receiver room because if they had traded Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, like they had a chance last year before the trade deadline, they had a chance this spring and like around the draft that like there was teams interested in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and the Broncos said, no, we're going to keep both of them. And now with Patrick out for the whole year, and like you said, KJ Hamler, he's at least going to be gone for a while. Like you said, they might bring him back once he's able to get over that heart situation. But you know, having Sutton and Court now is huge. And like you said, drafting Marvin Mims in the second round of the draft, when they did that, I was kind of surprised about it. Like I don't think a lot of people were really expecting that because wide receiver didn't seem like a big need but we we talked about it after the draft like yes at the moment it's not a big need but you're always planning ahead in the nfl and i'd like this is the kind of thing that you plan ahead for someone's getting hurt uh contracts are going to be ending in either next year or the next few years so you always got to be playing ahead you always got to have uh like even if you have talent at a position it never hurts to stack talent in the NFL because that it's just going to come in handy. And now Mims has a huge opportunity. I think he already was going to be pretty involved, but now he has a huge opportunity to be the number three guy be, behind Sutton and uh, Judy. So it's it's huge that they have him. Yeah, and they have they have some other guys on the roster. I mean, Marcos Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, guys that Sean Payton knows from his time with the Saints. But and I don't think I'm not going to say I think it's unfair to call any of these guys injury prone like judy sutton greg dulcich who's dealt with hamstring stuff right uh but man i mean yeah not only great opportunity and maybe a little bit of pressure on rookie mims to step in immediately and, and do some stuff but like judy sutton dulcich these guys gotta stay healthy john <laughs> we, we, yeah. there's just not a lot behind those guys at the moment and i don't know if the broncos are going to go out there and and scour the waiver wire just give me like 10 seconds on that john do you think they're going to go out there and like you know try to lure in some of these veterans that are available we saw like guys like ty hilton run around for the cowboys last year kenny galladay was just a disaster and with the giants um jarvis landry's a, a interesting name that's out there but he's he's dealt with his own series of injuries it seems every single year do you think they're adding or do you think they're staying in house yeah and with in addition to those guys like julio julio jones is the big big name but i think all those guys like you said their production hasn't been great recently and they're all getting older so i don't i don't think they're going to make a splash at receiver i think they're just going to do in-house guys and you know more bottom of the roster players i think they're still okay with the top of their depth chart jerry judy uh Cortland Sutton, and marvin mims i think any receiver that they bring in i think would be competing for you know four five six spots 
Yeah, and, and Julio Jones, I didn't mention him because I feel like he's closer to retiring than he is being a, a impact wide receiver. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, Julio Jones is another one. Um, real quick, John, just an update over one of the main topics we talked about last week. Um, Uwazirike, the second-year player for the Broncos on defense who um, is suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games. There was an update to that story, and it's not a good update for him, right, John? Fill me in on that because I'm not actually up to speed on this but I know you yeah. are. So tell me what's going on with this kid. Yeah. Last week on the podcast, we, we kind of gave him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And we were like, cause if he was just like betting on baseball games, sitting in the locker room, like, you know, that could be an innocent mistake. Right. We didn't but have that, all the details yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now we do have more details and, and like allegedly, like this is all being investigated, but allegedly, he bet on games while he was at Iowa State. Like he bet on games that he played in at Iowa State. And then allegedly he got to the NFL and he bet on like five Broncos games last year, including two games that he played in. I think he placed 32 total bets involving like either Broncos games or Broncos players. And like that, that is like the NFL always talks about how gambling, you know, the punishment is so harsh because of the integrity of the game. And like, he is a guy who has insider info. Like he knows if his teammates going to be like on a limited snap count or whatever. And so if he's betting like prop lines, like over under for catches and stuff with insider information, like that's exactly why the NFL comes down so hard on gambling. So we gave him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And like, if these allegations are true, like there there's no there was no uh, like misunderstanding like it was perfectly nope. clear that this is something that it's not okay to do and Orchestrate. and he he uh um he tried to like cover it up and like do it through a different name and i guess by through that cover up and doing it in Iowa apparently like it could be subject to up to like 2 years in prison and that doesn't mean that's necessarily going to happen. Like we'll see how the legal process plays out, but that it's a possibility. So just that's how serious, you know, this situation is. And like, I, he's got to, he has to get help. Like I'm sure the NFL gives help to guys that are suspended for gambling anyway, but he, he clearly needs help. I think he has a gambling problem. And, and like, this makes me think to last week, Sean Payton's comments about, how the team can't talk to them at all. They're just like cut off. And like, is that good for them? Is that going to help them? And, and I see where he's coming from, especially now with this situation. It's like, this guy needs help. And like, yeah, he can't play in games. Yeah. He won't be paid and all that. But like, I think let the team talk to him and like, let the team help him out. I'm sure the NFL has a program where the NFL is going to try to help him out. But yeah, I don't know if cutting off him for a whole year or even more than a year when he clearly has this problem. I don't know if that's the best step for the NFL to take. Yeah, I agree. This is a tough story. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I hope he doesn't go to jail unless his gambling like led to actual people getting hurt or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I just, that seems surprising that he would be facing, facing jail time. I, I think that was a surprising little note in the story, but uh, yeah, no, I think you nailed it, John. He's just a, a, a young player who has a lot to learn and probably has a problem because he orchestrated uh, and tried to hide the fact that he was betting on these games. It's not like he just made a mistake. He was, it was orchestrated. It was, it was mm-hmm. so that is, uh, that is tough news there. Not a great update for that player, but uh, you know, as we talked about last, last week, the Broncos are going to be fine. It's just the player that you got to worry about the kid. You hope he gets the help that he needs. Uh, what else we got, John? 
Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the. You know, we'll kind of do some rapid fire stuff here to close out the program. We teased this last week that the Broncos have a new alternate helmet. It is a white helmet, and they're going to be wearing it with their color rush uniforms. And those are the orange ones, right, John? The orange tops and pants. And fans are feeling a certain way about this. So, how do you feel about the white helmet? Yeah, the helmet itself, I like, and I think I think it looked sharp with the existing color rush uniform. But like you said, some fans were like, well, we should have done all white color rush if we're going to have a white helmet, or we should have done white pants with the orange jersey and a white helmet. And I I totally understand fans that have the opinion that that looks better. The Broncos were just in a little bit of a pinch because you got to give the NFL a big heads up before you make a uniform change. And when they could have given a heads up to make an alternate uniform change, ownership was in limbo. So they weren't going to make a big uniform decision before the new owners come in. And so they couldn't change their existing alternate uniform. But then the NFL, after that uniform deadline passed, said, oh, by the way, going forward, you can wear two helmets. They used to have a one helmet rule. So now with wearing two helmets, you can wear an alternate helmet. So the Broncos had time to make an alternate helmet and get it approved through NFL channels, but they have to use it with their current alternate uniform because they didn't, they weren't working on a different. So fans have to, I think fans need to understand that context. Like, could it look better with, you know, with a tweaked alternate uniform? Yeah, maybe. And maybe they could do something like that next year, but that's a little bit of background. They couldn't, it, it has to be worn with the existing color rush uniform. And I think it looks sharp. Like I, I'm not super worked up about it. No, I mean, if you look at the video, uh, I think it looks sharp as well. My take on this helmet is that it is, that is a sexy helmet, John. The white helmet with the the orange stripe there and then the white Bronco coming out of the D, you know, the kind of the old school logo still, but he's, I don't know. There's something about this helmet. I'm a kind of a curmudgeon when it comes to uniforms. I like the vintage ones. You know what I mean? Oh, me yeah, like I'm, do. yeah, like I'm a Patriots fan. I think the the flying Elvis logo they have right now sucks. Like I miss the, the old Patriot logo. Like yep. every time they wear their old red Patriot throwbacks, I have like a little bit of a, a moment to myself. Uh, we wouldn't have to talk about that online, you know, on air here. And it's like one of those sporty moments that you know, those sporty nerd moments where you have to be by yourself for a little while. Uh, I, that's how much I love old school uniforms. So usually I'm like the old curmudgeon here. I think this white helmet is sexy. I, th- I, I think it goes with everything. I think it goes with orange. I think it goes with white. I think it'll go with blue. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see them rock that thing. I think that looks pretty good. Uh, John, three Broncos are one step closer to the Hall of Fame. That's next on our rapid fire part of the uh, program. Tell us about that. Yeah, the, the work, this podcast comes out Thursday. The NFL preseason kicks off tonight with the Hall of Fame game. And DeMarcus Ware, uh, he's going to sing the national anthem before that night. So that's something to watch for on NBC. Ware is part of the 2023 class that's going to be enshrined on Saturday. And he, of course, won Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos. But looking ahead to next year, like you said, there's three guys closer for the 2024 class. Uh, Randy Gratishar, he was just a fantastic linebacker for the Broncos. He led the 1977 Orange Crush defense that took them to their first Super Bowl. He's a senior semifinalist for the 2024 class. And he's someone that a lot of Broncos fans and Broncos pundits will tell you should have been in the hall of fame a very long time ago. And up to three senior candidates can be part of the 2024 class. So I think this could be the year for Gratishar. And then in the coach contributor section, 
uh, Mike Shanahan, who won two Super Bowls with the Broncos, and Dan Reeves, who reached nine Super Bowls as a player and coach. Both of them are coach contributor semifinalists for the 2024 class as well. But only one coach contributor will get in, so they can't both get in together. But, you know, Randy Gratishar, I think he's got a real shot. And either one of Shanahan or Reeves, they, hypothetically, they could get in this year or 2024. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. That makes perfect sense. Okay. We had a couple questions on um, the special teams that we wanted to get to as well, John. And one of them is a new rule that a fair catch on a kickoff will result in the ball being spotted at the 25-yard line. So even if it's fielded inside the 20, inside the 25, that's where the ball will be spotted. I know a lot of coaches don't like this. I think Andy Reid didn't like it. I think Sean, what did he, what did he say? Uh, flag football, Andy Reid, something like that. Sean Payton doesn't like it. Um, I'm sure Bill Belichick hates it as well. I, John, I'm going to give you my take on this. I don't mind it because I just want the kickoff to be over and done with. Like for me, it's just like, let's get that thing over with, kick it out of bounds. That's what I'm used to as a fan. Anyway, I'm used to that thing just getting bombed out of bounds anyway. So just like, let's go at the 25 and let's get on with our lives. Like I don't want to see more squib kick or pop up kick or fair catches. Like I don't want to see, I don't want any of that crap. Just blast the ball out of the end zone and let's get on with the game. So uh, me as a football fan, I, whatever, like, Get me to the 25, get me to first and 10 quicker uh, because the kickoff return, unless you're freaking Naheem Hines with the Bills torching the Patriots on kickoff returns last year. I think he had two in one game. It's like, what is this? This doesn't happen in the NFL anymore, right? Like we don't see it anymore. So just get me to first and 10 from the 25. We might as well just spot it there anyway. I think we're getting closer to that, uh, you know, but what do you think? Yeah, I think you said it. I think we're getting closer and closer to one day kickoffs not even being part of the NFL and the ball spot at either the 20 or 25. I think every time they do something like this, it's a step towards kickoffs going away in general. Or or maybe they could do something like the XFL where everyone has to wait until like the returner has the ball and they're only starting like 10 yards apart. Maybe the NFL could do something like that. But you said a bunch of coaches, including Peyton, don't like it. And Peyton said that he thinks it's going to have unintended consequences. Like you talked about, like kicking the ball up or doing squib kips. Peyton thinks teams are going to want to try to kick it, you know, high and towards the sideline. And so if they, you know, get a fair catch, it's, it's a precarious situation. And he thinks because of that balls are going to roll out of bounds or he thinks, you know, like a ball will be this by the sideline and a returner will stick one foot out and put one hand on the ball. And by rule, that would be the same as the ball going out of bounds out of play. And then they get at the 40 yard line. So Peyton thinks we'll have a lot more, you know, kick penalties this year where the ball started at the 40 with teams trying to pin people inside the 25. So I don't know. It's something to watch. I think you were spot on just saying that we're moving away from just not having kickoffs in the game. Yeah. Who wants more of this crap on the kickoff? Just get me to first and 10, please. Um, Yeah. So enough of this. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think there's fair arguments on both sides. And another one, just to wrap us up here, John, our rapid fire portion, Pat Sertan has gotten some reps as a punt returner. Now, not the main punt returner, right? But he has gotten some reps as a potential like emergency type return man if the Broncos have a situation where they need him. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean... It's not like I, I, some people are freaking out. Like, how could you I'm, even consider? I'm, I'm freaking like, out. I'm his, freaking out, John. Well, because people are saying it's your star corner. And like Deion Sanders did it. And, and Pat Sertain is not Deion Sanders. I get it. 
But if he's really, really good at it, and if your top three guys are hurt and, like, the game's on the line, it's one play, like, you have, like, one chance to, like, make a make something happen on a punt return. In that situation, it's like, okay, if you think he's your best option and it's, like, a do-or-die situation, okay. It, I would be more upset if they wanted him to be, like, the starting returner. But I, just getting reps as, like, a fallback option, I'm not too worked up about it. But you are, Ryan? Yeah, I'm worked up about it. What if, what if he hurts himself uh, in practice running around – returning punts john which again this is another one of those plays and this is fun talking special teams we don't do it very often because (laughs) special teams is a lot of kick the ball in the air catch it and get get back to first and ten right there's not a lot of returns anymore you don't see it that much so i mean if pat sertan's like this amazing Deion sanders level return man no one's going to kick it to him anyway he's not going to get a lot of opportunities so i don't know i i just feel like okay we know what Pat Sertan is now. It's like, who's the best corner in football? Is it him or Sauce Gardner? Like, I, I, I feel like that's the conversation that everybody has around the top corners or top young corners in the league or whatever. He's right there. The Broncos got themselves a stud. So, I mean, believe me, again, I've, I've mentioned this a few times as a Patriots fan. Rob Gronkowski had a season-ending injury, John, on an extra point. He was out there blocking on an extra point in a game. Patriots fans lost their freaking minds. I promise you, if the Broncos are having a good year and they lose Pat Sertan to a special teams injury, they would lose their minds. So yeah. that's why it yeah. freaks me out. But it's probably harmless because, again, these the kickoffs, the punts, this is all becoming obsolete in football. And you could have a dominant punt returner now in the NFL. And unless you the team you're playing is stupid, they don't get a lot of good opportunities to burn you um, on the other end. So... Um, Ooh, John, you need a glass of water. There was a lot. There was a lot of meat on the bone for the show this week, but uh, that was that was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, they they had a very eventful first week of training <laughs> camp, starting off with Peyton just going wild. August second, August second. This is pro- more content we usually have in mid October. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I think at the end of last year, we were searching for things to talk about. We're like, how many? Is there another way I can talk about how? Hackett sucks. How else can we do this? Man, here we are starting the 2023 (laughs) season. We're right back to it. Again, so Sean Payton, please don't get muzzled. Please continue doing what you're doing. Please keep dropping uh, beautiful little stuff to Jared Bell so he can write it in USA Today. We appreciate it all. We love all that. Uh, But of course, for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you all for joining the podcast. Subscribe and tell friends if you can. And we'll be back, uh, right, Joe? We'll be back here later in training camp. Probably not next week, but we'll be back again definitely before the season starts to uh, maybe preview uh, that f- week one game. So that's that's coming up here in, in short order, and we're looking forward to that. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.